This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Great to have you with us for the Thursday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Right now, America's big banks are reporting strong third quarters. Let's take a closer look with Jeff Hart, Managing Director at Piper Sandler here in Chicago. Uh, Jeff, we'll, we'll dig into a couple of these banks specifically, but let's begin with, with kind of an overview. How are banks looking? Well, the quarter's coming in pretty well, um, and really the drivers have been capital markets. You're talking investment banking and trading revenues and credit, right? It's just credit, the credit environment is so good and, and actually continuing to get a little better. So that's really kind of propelled results. But I think investors have been more focused on kind of the outlook or kind of look through the, the, the windshield as opposed to looking in the rearview mirror at kind of what happened in 3Q21. And we've gotten kind of mixed results there. It's kind of hard to read the tea leaves a little bit, but certainly what we've heard today has been good in that, you know, a strong earnings beat and the outlook for things like capital markets and we're loan growth and rates are higher. I mean, there's a lot of things, uh, a lot of relatively good things we're hearing today relative to, to bad things. I think the, the real question for, for banks here is what drives kind of the next leg up because you really – I think you need to start seeing some loan growth materialize or, you know, some, some positive surprises. And, and uh, especially with the, the, the run some of them had the last month, they're, uh, they're starting to price in some, a pretty good environment. So let's talk about um, Citigroup. A pretty good profit here, up 48%. Yeah, and it was, you know, better than we were expecting. And, I mean, credit drove a big chunk of it, which the investors tend not to pay a whole lot for. But even absent that, these are good numbers. I think, uh, you know, the, the the thing maybe weighing a little bit more on Citigroup relative to some of the peers is just some of the uncertainty surrounding it, right? I mean, you, I would have thought Citigroup shares would be more than essentially flat given the strong quarter. But, you know, they've got some consent order outstanding and they're selling some of their Asian consumer businesses. And there's kind of, there's, so there's just kind of, I think, some some uncertainty, which is kind of keeping their shares from maybe reflecting just how strong the quarter was. And let's move over to Bank of America. How are they looking? Well, I tell you, they had about as good a quarter as you could have hoped for. Um, you know, some of the things that concern people about J.P. Morgan yesterday, like the expense trajectory and, um, and uh, you know, kind of uh, some of the net interest income headwinds, E of A kind of got around, right? Their expenses were good. Their banking was good. And, uh, you know, net interest income-wise, they're putting excess liquidity to work. So, I mean, it was... B of A's, you know, reacted positively today. And honestly, given what we were expecting coming in, this is about as good a result as I think we could have, could have hoped for. So what should investors think here? Uh, are there buying opportunities? Have they maybe missed the window in bank stocks? 
Well, I mean, you always have to be a little selective, you know, as far as try not to buy at the, the, the peak necessarily. But I think, you know, depending on your outlook, there there's still more room for banks to run. I mean, if we get solid economic growth, which it seems like we are, and, you know, interest rates get a little more favorable, I mean, it, you, you can you can certainly make the case that there's more to come. Um, definitely banks have made a big run the last month, so some of the quote-unquote easy money has been made. But I think you can definitely still... Um, kind of be selectively getting into names. I'd be looking at the big names, the B of A's, the J.P. Morgan, the Goldman Sachs of the world. Good insight. Thanks so much for the analysis. Jeff Hart, Managing Director at Piper Sandler here in Chicago. An app that you download to your phone could actually be spying on you. Let's learn more from Adam Levin, co-host of the podcast, What the Hack, with Adam Levin, author of the book Swiped, based in New York. Uh, Adam, I've always been told, if you don't have to pay for an app, then, then you are the product, right? You are how that app is making money. And so I'm guessing that's one of the reasons why we get this thing called stalkerware. Well, that's right, Cisco. The situation here is that oftentimes you have no idea this app is on your phone because it hasn't been downloaded by you. It's been downloaded by a significant other or someone who may now no longer be significant. And, uh, and as a result, what it does is it, think of it as it records your phone calls, keystroke logs, which is when you uh, log into an account, uh, that it trans, it, it either gathers that information or transmits it to the, the, the person. Uh, it can track your location. It can upload your photos to a remote server. Pretty much they all work the same way. An abuser with access to your device installs the app on your phone and disguises it as a simple piece of software, like a calendar app. And it lurks in the background and later, the abuser retrieves the data. Now, sometimes it's sent to their email or can be downloaded from a website. And in other scenarios, it's somebody who knows your passcode. They can just simply unlock the device, open the stalkerware, and then review the recorded data. Is this the sort of thing that's legal? I mean, it, it sounds like it's it shouldn't be, but is it? It's, it's kind of weird. It's in a gray area because these apps were originally designed with good intent. And the good intent was keep track of where your kids are, what they're doing, who they're communicating with. Or if you have, let's say, an elderly relative, and in particular one with Alzheimer's or dementia, it lets you kind of know where they are so that if they suddenly disappear, that you can be there to help them. Unfortunately, oftentimes, as my mother used to say, no good deed goes unpunished, which means people use these for sinister purposes. So it's, it's still a gray area. People are pushing for laws, and uh, and they're also pushing for antivirus companies uh, to to really get more tuned into stalkerware. Google has pretty much now is in the process of banning stalkerware apps from their uh, from their store, but it's still out there, and sixty percent more people are using stalkerware apps now than they were just a, a year or so ago. So how can you know if something like this is is on your phone? I mean, is there a way to really know? Well, one of the things is that if you, if you note that there's unusual behavior, like, for instance, your battery rapidly drains, that could be a giveaway that a stalkerware app is running in the background. You can also have programs like Malwarebytes, Serto, Norton LifeLock, or Lookout, that can detect software, but 
you want to take a close look at your apps yourself to see if there's anything on there that looks suspicious. But before you delete it, you may want to think twice because you may need it as evidence against the stalker. Uh, you can also seek help uh, by going to the National Domestic Violence Hotline or the Safety Net Project, which is hosted by the National Network to End Domestic Violence. Uh, you can also audit accounts to see which apps or devices are hooked up to them. And then what you do is preventative measure. Change your passwords and your passcode to your phone. Enable two-factor authentication. Um, and on your iPhone, check, check your settings. But as Apple says, this is not an iPhone vulnerability because it requires a hacker or an attacker to be on the same Wi-Fi network and have physical access to your unlocked iPhone. Really, really fascinating. A little scary, too, but fascinating stuff. Thanks for all that insight, Adam Levin. He is co-host of the podcast, What the Hack, with Adam Levin, also author of the book, Swiped. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Chicago-based McDonald's testing out a meatless burger while the latest report from Domino's is triggering concerns of possible pizza overload in the pandemic. Let's get the latest from R.J. Hadavi, head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI. R.J., and I want to find out about this McDonald's uh, you know, plant burger, but I, I hear pizza fatigue. And I, it, it just doesn't even seem like something that's possible. So help us understand here <laughs> what, what they're concerned about with Domino's. Yeah, well, so the, the, the key story, the key takeaway coming out of Domino's uh, third quarter update was same-source sales uh, declined for the first time in 41 quarters. Uh, there was a decline of 1.9%. Now, keep in mind that comes on top of a 17% gain in, in the third quarter last year when a, a lot of consumers in lockdown had, uh, you know, it, had gone to Domino's or ordered from Domino's. So uh, if you look at it on a two-year basis, it's still pretty healthy. But, um, yeah, I think that what we're seeing here is that, you know, maybe consumers are branching out to other, um, you know, other delivery services. Uh, we did see a lot of promotional activity from companies like DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats uh, this past quarter. So there was some competition on that front. Uh, interestingly enough, the company also said that they were seeing some pressure because of labor staffing issues, uh, not being able to get enough drivers and uh, employees. And so they had to operate some locations with limited hours and so also said that was an impact on that. Uh, my suspicion as we look into the fourth quarter here, uh, we'll continue to see Domino's will be a, a destination for, for people's pizza orders, uh, largely some of the uh, restrictions we've seen for full-service restaurants, uh, as well as those that really can't operate outside anymore. Uh, we'll continue to see this as a, you know, a, a place that people go to. I think there is some fatigue, uh, but at the same time, I don't think Domino's is going away anytime soon either. Hey, let's talk about McDonald's here. The McPlant Burger, working with Beyond Meat, test Testing out something new. Yeah, so the company's going to roll out um, a plant burger, which they announced late last year that they were going to begin testing in the United States this year. Uh, they are planning to roll out to eight test markets uh, this year, um, you know, scattered around the uh, various parts of the country. What's interesting here is that it's a little bit late to the game. Um, burger King first rolled out their Impossible Whopper uh, in 2019, and several other quick service restaurant chains have also done that. Uh, most of those did very well out of the gates just because uh, there was a novelty behind the, uh, the product. Nobody had really seen that before, and a lot of consumers, frankly, wanted to see if it tasted like real meat. Um, at this point, I think 
think we've kind of settled into a normalized environment where consumers, you know, they, the, the restaurant companies have to keep this on the menu just because there are certain people who want that. That way you can still accommodate an entire family. You know, you won't get that veto vote uh, that prevents the family from going in. That said, uh, how much bang for the buck McDonald's is going to get off of this launch? It's certainly going to be less than I think what Burger King saw. But at the same time, I think it's probably something that uh, there is enough demand to keep it on the menu. Yeah, almost something it seems like they have to do. Almost everyone does. Thank you. That's RJ Hadavi with Placer AI here in Chicago. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Stocks are trading way higher. Let's see what's going on. Chuck Carlson is here, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond. Chuck, what do you make of what you're seeing today on Wall Street? Well, Cisco, it's a, it's a response to pretty good news on a number of fronts. First, uh, as we discussed earlier today, you had a uh, jobless claims number that really had fallen back to, to pre-pandemic levels. So, you know, that was that gave relief to the, that employment number here, the last employment number, which had people concerned that perhaps the employment picture is still looking up. So that was a positive. Second, you know, we're right at the beginning of corporate earnings season, and so far, so good. I mean, you had the banks reporting pretty strong results today you had 
uh, a few healthcare related companies that came out, United Healthcare being one of them, with pretty strong results. And the stocks, more importantly, stocks are responding well to those earnings. So you, you have two pretty good data points. Uh, giving investors solace that the economy is headed in the right direction, uh, and investors are getting a nice rally today. As we're looking forward to the rest of earnings season, any uh, any areas uh, that maybe you're particularly concerned about where maybe we're not going to see the good earnings like we saw in the banks? No, I think I think the earnings will be okay in terms of the absolute number. What what usually matters most though is how those earnings meet expectations and so it'll be interesting to see in some pretty key areas such as you know semiconductors for example that's a very important group within the technology sector and it has been a group that's been kind of so-so at best here in the last month and a half and two months and i think it's a group that the market will ultimately need to to perform better in order for the broad market to do better so you know that's a group that people should watch and, and see not just the absolute earnings number, but how are those earnings meeting expectations? So that's that's a group that we have in a, uh, in a, we're going to be looking at pretty closely. And are we uh, still concerned about inflation in any of these sectors? Not not only is there reporting earnings, but is there looking forward? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, and again, that the, probably the biggest uh, problem for any stock market is this idea of stagflation where you have rising inflation, which we have right now, you know, it remains to be seen whether it's transitory or more permanent and, and we'll have to see how that goes, but there's no doubt inflation is up. So an inflationary market against the backdrop of a lousy economy, a stagnant economy. And, uh, you know, we don't want that. So that's why these data points here, both earnings and the jobless claims, are, you know, putting less pressure on the kind of the stagflation argument. Um, but, yeah, inflation's going to, you know, the market's driven primarily by three things, interest rates, corporate profits, and inflation. And uh, inflation can be very punitive on stocks. So, yeah, that where that heads is going to have a big say on where the market goes. And what about, we've talked about this before, some of these uh, these travel stocks that, that if they got hit really hard at the beginning of the pandemic, rebounded a little bit once things got open, and yet they're still, for the most part, not even close to where they were pre-pandemic. Well, you know, they keep coming out with some issues. You know, the, the airlines, for example, um, appear to have some some real staffing problems, and, and you couple that with uh, the sharp rise in fuel costs that's going to hurt them. So, you know, they they, they keep kind of getting hit with some of these issues um, that are going to limit their profitability in the near term. I, I think the lows on those stocks are probably going to be held, but, you know, w trying to get a sustained move to the upside in the face of some of these headwinds, again, staffing, uh, fuel costs, etc., cetera, uh, you know, that's going to be a problem for those companies here for a bit. What's the Dow theory telling us? The, the last major signal under the Dow theory was that the primary trend of the market is bullish. One of the good news from, from a Dow theory perspective that we've seen here is that, well, you know, the broader market, the Dow Industrials, S&P 500, have kind of rolled over a little bit and have been kind of in a malaise. Those Dow Jones transportation average uh, has really picked up quite nicely, actually, over the last month and is trading now at a level that uh, above a level that it traded three months ago. So, you know, if, if the Dow transports continue to show strength, that's going to be a, a boom, not just for the Dow theory, but it's going to be helpful for the broad market as well. Thanks for the insight. Always good advice and wisdom from Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services. Your best stock option. 
This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday. This afternoon, we're exploring the world of non-fungible tokens. Here to help us out, Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management. His website, SenecalCapital.com. Uh, Bill, we've talked about NFTs quite a bit on this show, and yet I think there's still a lot of people who understandably are confused about them. So uh, help us to understand, what is a non-fungible token? Well, Cisco, in order to understand a non-fungible token, let's just take a second and discuss what something that is fungible, what it means. So fungible means something is basically identical. So cash U.S. dollars are fungible and they're accepted everywhere. Like it doesn't matter if I'm in Italy, El Salvador, Michigan Avenue, uh, Illinois or California. All dollars are the same. They operate the same and they are a fungible good. Shares of stock are fungible. So if I buy 100 shares of IBM, it doesn't matter which brokerage firm I buy them through. I can deliver them to TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, Schwab, or my local bank trust account. So shares of stock are fungible. Um, what, what, what isn't fungible is like wheat futures, like hard, rent, hard red winter wheat contract. It is not fungible or deliverable against yellow number two corn at the Board of Trade, right? Baseball cards, music, art are not fungible because each one has its own unique value, its own its, its unique uh, personality, so to speak. So a non-fungible token is a cryptocurrency or a digital asset that's unique. Uh, it's not like Bitcoin, which is the same as every other Bitcoin. So Coinbase recently made the announcement that they're going to create a marketplace, a lot like eBay, for non-fungible tokens. Now, non-fungible tokens is basically art that has been put on the blockchain and they've done almost 14 billion dollars in sales in 2021 so non-fungible tokens is any kind of digital cryptocurrency or a digital asset a piece of art music anything that's different and small in but but it still has the providence um that that other type of tokens have it's so when you monetize, when artists are monetizing their works by creating an NFT, like say, for example, they have a little doodle pad on their phone and they're just doodling different color art. They can mint those. The process is called minting. And you create a digital, um, you know, uh, MP3 file or a WAV file, a JPEG file, and you put it on the blockchain and now it becomes magically an NFT. And that's what non-fungible tokens are. They're little individual pieces of digital art or music that the owner retains ownership and they can sell them in an eBay-like setting. And so for your, uh, you know, your average person who's not an artist, is, is this a, a way that you can buy and sell? And it's, I mean, it's sort of like another way to potentially make money as you're getting into these assets? Oh, absolutely. Anybody can go online to OpenSea, which is kind of like another platform, Rarible's. Um, and you can buy non-fungible tokens, uh, but you're going to have to use either U.S. dollars or use other cryptocurrency to purchase it. So um, it's, it's, it's interesting. This is big because DraftKings, which is traded on the exchange, Coinbase, which is traded on the exchange, what they're doing is they're entering in relationships with the National Football League, the National Hockey League, uh, the the um, uh, uh, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And they're taking little moments in sports history, you know, that dunk shot, that famous uh, slap shot into the net. They're capturing that on video. They're using their licensing power as the NHL, and they're creating a limited edition video that is a non-fungible token. Uh, uh, the, the, the golfer, Tiger Woods, you can, you can buy a copy of his digital signature that's been authenticated and has providence. 
you could spend like up to $9,000 for that. Uh, there's a collection of all, an entire collection of Tiger Woods uh, digital assets that are limited edition on a digital platform that have all the providence that um, that protected from forgery and duplication. No, it's but, but hold, technology. Let me ask you. I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is what what uh, no. what I guess confuses me about this is okay. Let's mm -hmm. say, like you're saying, with Tiger Woods, you know, his digital signature, and it's going for nine grand. Tiger Woods, in theory, could create. Five million of those and put them all individually into NFTs. That's why I don't understand the rush to pay all kinds of money for some of these digital assets. Well, that's true. He could create five million of them, but who's going to buy them if there's five million non-fungible tokens? What makes the fungible, the non-fungible token interesting is that you can create a limited edition. You can create 10 of them or five of them, or his famous shots can all be done in a limited edition of 12 or 15 rather than millions that are, are, are generated. So it's the fact that it's on a blockchain that creates the limited edition. It's up to the author, though. Yeah, you're right, Cisco. I could create 10 million of them. There's no value to that. But if I create four of them, now that's a big deal. Yeah, that helps a lot. That, that that makes it a lot more clear. Thanks so much for all the insight. Bill Uliver, a lot of money being made in NFTs. Bill Uliveri of Cynical Capital Management. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A new credit card lets you earn cash back and plant trees around the world. Let's talk about the possibilities for making an environmental impact. Ted Rossman is here. He's an industry analyst at CreditCards.com. Ted, for people concerned about the environment, wanting to do everything that they can in order to clean it up, help us to understand how a credit card can do that. Yeah, there's this new Aspiration Zero credit card, and they pledge to plant a tree every time you make a purchase with the card. And there's also some other incentives in here. They say just using the card once per day will zero out the average person's entire carbon footprint. And they're going to give you half of 1% cash back on all of your purchases, and then they'll actually double that to 1% if you make 60 qualifying transactions in a month or if you round up the change on 30 qualifying transactions. So there is a bit of an opportunity cost here. I think it's well-minded and I think it caters to young adults, Gen Zers in particular, who care a lot about environmental and social topics. It does beg the question though, would you be better off maybe using a 2% cash back card and then just donating those funds if you're so inclined? Well, see, and that's, uh, I guess that's dependent upon how disciplined you are, right, in actually doing that when you get the cash back? Right. I think that, you know, one thing that is nice and convenient about this is they say every time you make a purchase, they're going to plant a tree. So that just happens automatically. You're right. There's no friction. Lots of credit card companies will let you donate your rewards. And sometimes they even give you a bonus, like with certain Chase cards, you can stretch that cash back 25 or 50% further. Uh, Amex and Discover have programs where you can donate this, a lot of airlines too. So there's a lot of ways to be charitable with your rewards, points, and miles. I do think that you know, with Aspiration, they're really trying to bring it back to the brand and, and this whole sustainability kind of ethos. You know, they also have a, a debit card and a linked bank account. They talk about how your purchases will not go to funding the oil or coal industries. I mean, this is really like a true environmental believer kind of thing. Um, but they say a lot of people are gravitating to it. And I do think this kind of brand marketing is resonating with young adults. And you know, if, if people like it and they stick with it, that's a win.
Thanks so much for all that. Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.